wasn't that long ago you didn't really see a lot of people like having sex on Lower Broadway or people shooting up outside a subway station or from the smallest room in New York City. People taking a shit on the street. Come to the show that gives you a reason to live. 24-hour party district coming soon. They want to bring in a different type of tourist. One of those kind that, uh, you know, what happens in New York stays in New York, I guess, or some shit like that. Uh, joining me now to talk about it is uh, author of Last Days, Last of, New Days of New York. Seth Barron. Hey, Seth. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me on. And, and uh, if people have not gotten a copy of that yet, they definitely need to get it. Fantastic book. What, what's up with these party districts? Is it going to be another chapter in the last days of New York, you think? Uh, could be. Could yeah. be. Or the first chapter in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it sounds as though, uh, you know, belying Bill de Blasio's assertion that New York City is back, everything's great. Uh-huh. Sounds like he's doubling down on uh, disorder and decay. Oh, good. You know, like New Orleans is, is sort of a 24-hour party city, right? You can buy liquor any time of day. Drive through. You can, you know, get mixed drinks. What, a drink on the street? So maybe that's maybe that's the goal, to, like, enhance the perception of New York City as a, uh, as you said, a place to come and anything goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, there, there has to be something, you know, and uh, maybe that'll be what lasts when, you know, Broadway doesn't really come back all the way or something, or mm-hmm. when there's not world-class uh, museums or something anymore because they've all been canceled in one way or another. Yeah, I mean, look at Washington Square Park, you know, which is now be turned into like kind of a rave scene. Oh, has it? And there's fight clubs there and, and stuff. fight clubs and... Open-air drug market, I guess of instead of trying to restrain that, the, the new thinking is, well, let's go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, it says it calls it a wild pitch uh, for a boozy 24-7 party zone. Uh, and here's a quote from uh, somebody from the office of uh, the city's Office of Nightlife, which mm-hmm. is something that uh, I wasn't aware yeah, of. De Blasio um, instituted. They had a nightmare or something like that, right? Right. Which sounds an awful lot like nightmare. Uh, <laughs> we did know that 24-hour usage is very successful in other parts of the world. People say it might be uh, terrible for quality of life. But in fact, we found the opposite. So, oh. so really, the, the whole place smelling like urine is not uh, doesn't affect the quality of life, I suppose. Because you go to New Orleans, you, you, there's some pissy areas. Uh, well, we've got that here. <laughs> to we've got that here now. <laughs> we've got it, and they they move. You know, I mean, of course, Penn Station is like uh, always smells like a. Now, have you noticed any other like signs of the city sort of uh, declining in terms of you know the, the you know I guess what you call the the general sort of decorum of the place? Oh well, uh, just last night I was walking home from the grocery store, and I was on the corner of Broadway and Eleventh uh, Street, I guess, Tenth mm-hmm. or Eleventh, and um, nice area, very nice area. See something moving, uh, and there's a little like you know, usually a couple of rats or something, hobo encampment type thing, or just somebody had set some homeless person stuff. It was two people fucking. Oh, uh, I mean, I guess they were underneath a blanket to keep it family friendly. It's nice. It's PG. But it wasn't very late. I mean, it was, like I said, it was ten, ten thirty. It was pretty weird, pretty gross. Uh, you know, so that's not the first time I've seen that. I mean, you know, that's uh, that that's that's a very nice uh, little little you area. Don't want to see um, homeless people fucking there. Homeless be, people fucking, but yeah. you know that that's what you get in in uh, in the new New York City in the twenty four hour party parties. I'm sure that it's going to pick up quite a bit. Yeah. 
so the election is going on too, and there's some kind of bullshit with the election, Still counting the votes and stuff. Uh, yeah. it's it's all very uh, confusing, you know. Which I suppose was is kind of the goal. Maybe you have the top twenty candidates in the Democratic primary, and you pick your top five, and then somehow from there they figure out, you know, who is uh, whoever has the least number of votes. It's like drop, Survivor, you know? right? They drop them off, and then they reallocate. Uh, the votes that were cast for that person, like the second through fifth votes to whoever else had them. And then you just keep iterating this until uh, there's only, until one person has more than 50%. Right. Okay. Well, that Which, makes sense. You know, I guess, I don't really know what the point I is. I think it's to, in order to, you know, make it a little bit more uh, confusing and to, because I mean, you have 20, normally you just have an election. It doesn't matter how many there are. It's just a regular ass election. And well, it, it seems like this is a way to kind of keep it going and sort of like, uh, you know, be like the more votes you have, the more chances there are to kind of skew the vote. Well, the way it worked before was you could have like, like six people running, and whoever got, uh, if someone didn't get 40%, then they would have a runoff. And so they would rehold the, have another election with the top two. Uh, but they decided that that's, I don't know, too expensive or too time consuming. I mean, I think one argument for why they did it this way is. You know, there's always a lot of prog- like very far left people running. Mm-hmm. And I think the concern was that the far left could cannibalize itself that the all the, with all these different progressives they would split the progressive vote and then a moderate or right wing person could sneak in Ooh. so by doing it this way by ranking the votes, this ensures that that definitely a left winger will win. Mm, yeah, I, I had okay. That does make sense. And, a paper, and apparently, an ex-con who was busted for robbery as a teen is among a group of employees at the embattled board of elections who cashed. He cashed in with massive overtime payouts this past year. Um, the city board of election did, and we're looking at the total amount of overtime. It's really pretty crazy what they make at the city board of elections. I mean, these people make a lot of money. I mean, they make like uh, you know this nearly three hundred grand. In total, and one hundred sixty-four thousand, one hundred sixty-five was, was the, overtime. The city, the city board of elections is is really uh, it, it really is a, a, a nest of corruption. I mean, I will give it that much. Uh, <laughs> one time, I went there. I wanted to look at some. I wanted to look at something there, right? Like some old, I don't know, some petitions or something. Mm-hmm. So I go in there, and like the guy's like, "Yeah, okay, okay, here, sit over here." Like, you can't have a pen, you can't have it. Well, there's like different, you know, the, and he's like, hold on a minute. And he goes and brings this other woman in. And the two of them are just sitting there, just like, just staring off into space <laughs> while I'm looking. And I'm like, you don't both have to be here, right? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a Democrat. Because you have to have like a Republican and a Democrat, you know, whatever. So To it's watch you? Just to watch me. So. Oh, my God. So I can imagine that they would accrue a lot of overtime. Mm-hmm. Hey, but the thing is, while we're on the question mm-hmm. of... Ex-cons getting jobs in the city. Uh-huh. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, this week, Stanley Richards. You know who this guy is? No. Stanley Richards was the head or a top executive at the Fortune Society, which is one of these groups that does inmate rehabilitation or, you know, once a, an inmate, re- returning, helping inmates return to society, okay? Yeah. He, this guy, Stanley Richards, had done time in prison upstate for uh, robbery. Okay. He had a four to nine-year sentence. He did, like, four and a half years. Plus, he did a year or two at Rikers. And whatever, he's like, you know, Obama's like, oh, Stanley Richards. Whatever, re-entry, prisoner re-entry is, right. is his thing. Well, now, he was just appointed the first deputy commissioner of corrections. 
Okay. So he's tasked with uh, training corrections officers, mm. with, um, <laughs> and he's in charge of the whole new uh, borough jail. Oh, that whole initiative? He's in tra- gonna, yeah, yeah, basically he's in charge of operations for the entire dire- Department of Corrections. Mm. This is a guy who, I, I don't know if he committed armed robbery. I guess it was, must have been armed robbery. Uh, so, right. And now people like corrections officers, former corrections officers say like, you need to have like top security clearance to do this job. Right. So the prisoners are running the jail basically. Well, someone was like, yeah, this is like the, a hen is running the hen house. A hen is running the hen house? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Seemed like a funny way to put well, it. Well, you have, uh, you know, uh, two city correction officials were, uh, lavish with retirement parties. Last week, hundreds of employees enjoying extravagant on-site celebrations, complete with a water cannon salute and a marching band, even among a staffing crisis and a surge in inmate violence. So how they spend the money there is already an issue, I guess. Oh, well, you know, I don't know who's, who paid for that or who didn't pay for it. I mean, maybe it was just like, I mean, look, if, if they're having retirement parties, I don't really care that much. You're really on top of things this week, huh? That was personal. We at war. A spy cam in an, in in a violent Brooklyn Airbnb. Yeah, a model suing Airbnb and a, a, a Brooklyn man that she claims installed a secret camera in his apartment before renting it out to her. Who wouldn't though? You know, I mean, uh, but this, then again, this seems pretty common actually. Yeah, it seems like it's probably happening all the time that people have these cameras in there. I mean, because you, I mean, like, look, that's that's. Uh, Something's going to happen in, Air, in an Airbnb, you know, I think, a lot of times. And yeah, well, I mean, somebody may, cha- like, um, change clothes. Put on their pajamas or take a shit. They <laughs> might do these things. They might uh, masturbate themselves. And, uh, you For know, some reason, I bet that the video is probably not that, like, amazing. Shimona Alexandra Cunningham, she models under the name Alex Undone and has appeared in campaigns for Gap and Macy. She claims she found a wireless video camera designed to look like a USB adapter plugged into a wall at uh, Brian Medenwald's Bedlam Crimison apartment and uh, aimed at the entrance to the master bedroom. So mm. she found the device two days into a five-day stay and her private moments, including moments undressing and dressing, walking and dressing the apartment in her underwear, entering and exiting the living room. Ooh. Well, you know what? I think I, I, I read somewhere there is some way to check a room to see if those are around intimate like, conversations too like maybe with a laser pointer or i don't know there's some way to check yeah well that's good that's it's and and whatever that is people should be protecting themselves you know i mean it's it's but hotel rooms too you know i mean you can't really like uh, feel comfortable anywhere except your own home and, and even that's questionable sometimes apparently absolutely i think i i had um I had put some uh, some video cameras up to um, to see what your wife's up to. To see what I'm up to. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta watch it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, let's see. Um, anti-gay bullying. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, uh, bullying has become way too big of a, a thing to talk about because they never really, they don't seem to really be talking about the uh, the actual issue of bullying, it's, it always seems to be, you know, um, something else. Now, the NYPD has seized uh, $54,000 worth of illegal fireworks and 22 arrests. It also uh, netted six illegal guns. The seizures were the result of three separate operations in June and early July that resulted in 15 arrests, $22,000 worth of fireworks confiscated. So this, this last year, we remember fireworks were going off throughout the month of July. It was pretty crazy-making. Well, throughout the month of June. Oh, was it June? And into July. And into yeah. July, yeah. It was, you know, and, and no fireworks allowed, uh, you know, for everybody else. 
So mm-hmm. that's the way that worked. Well, it they had some this year, but clearly it wasn't as big a deal. Last year was was crazy. I don't Last know year was crazy. Was yeah, it sure was. Uh, so uh, a, a relieved, a violent Brooklyn dad praised cops and medics for thwarting a carjacker who had aped. Oh, excuse me, sped off with his two year old daughter in tow. Thirty uh, three year old Tyler Hall of New Hampshire allegedly took Andrew's Andrew Lee's Honda at three forty p.m. And, uh, you know, Hall claimed in court that he was trying to get to Florida when he jumped into the car, not realizing a kid was inside. Not his fault. His bail was set at 10, uh, excuse me, $100,000. So uh, yeah, he was trying to get to Florida. Well, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get to Florida. I mean, y'all. if he had the money to buy the gas to get to Florida, mm-hmm. he could have bought a bus ticket to Florida. He's probably planning on, you know, well, the bus, who wants to travel by bus? You know? I mean, don't you want to, uh, and also he could steal the gas, I, I would say. So. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, there's a guy doing 20 exorcisms a week and the worst is yet to come. That's a lot. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? I never know what to make of exorcism news. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like on the one hand, you want to support it, right? Hey, but... can we talk about, um, the, the CFO of the Trump organization getting arrested? Oh, really? Is that important? Yeah, well, sure. Tell me about it. Crime. The CFO is arrested. Yeah, this guy Alvin Weisenberg. I guess he was like Trump's chief Trump. financial officer of some company or something. Yeah, of the Trump organization. Okay. Oh wow, that's a big yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. You didn't read about this? Nope. Okay. I was aware that they were doing stuff, but I mean, they they've always been you know incrementally moving in on it. Oh sure. Well, uh, Cy Vance and Tish James uh, brought charges against him. That's the District Attorney of Manhattan and the Attorney General of New York State. They brought charges against him on, like, tax evasion. Okay, now here's what they claim the Trump organization was doing. They were giving, they weren't properly taxing, like, executive perks, like a company car. Oh, right. Like, this is all, you know, worth money and should be accounted for. But here's the thing, I mean... These are all crime, suppose, like these crimes. Or for one thing, this is very rarely prosecuted criminally. Right. It's very rarely prosecuted by a state entity, okay? Like tax evasion of this sort. This is just like, it's clearly just a, a political witch hunt. Um, because also, this all, all of this predated the Trump administration. It's not like this is like some ongoing thing. They're just like going back and trying to dig dig up dirt mm. and shit just to like, it's it's just, this is like literally what they do in like the third world. Yeah. You know, just go after your political enemies. But what's amazing is when Tish James ran for attorney general, I don't know if you remember that race a couple years ago, this is what she and all the other people running pledged they were going to do. They all said they're, they're basically, their whole campaigns were just like, we're going to, I'm going to do the most effective job of digging into Trump's businesses and his family and finding things to get him in trouble for. So, hey, give the people what they want, right? This is what they voted for. I guess so. So maybe uh, they're doing a great job. I think it's just a, yeah, it's a disaster. I mean, that that's that's one mini disaster among uh, the the whole maxi disaster. And uh, it, it it's, uh, it's a damn shame. It's a, uh, it really is. But I still hate crime in the city. It's more than doubled in the past year, according to NYPD Dana. Because of COVID. Uh, 118%. Yeah, COVID. COVID is, is really the catch-all excuse for the mm-hmm. mayor. Uh, the ugly uh, scorecard, 294 possible bias cases have been reported this year through June 20th, compared to 130 during the same period in 2020. Anti-Asian incidents surged 
uh, 381% from 21 to 64. Wait, wait, wait. From No, from 21 last year to 101 this year. 101 from 21. Yeah, but didn't you hear what AOC said, Pat? What, that they have to abuse Asians in order to put food on the table? Well, and feed their families. Yes, there's that. But no, what her main point was that um, there's all this hysteria about crime, and it's all because people are looking at statistics. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. But that's, yeah, that does that does kind of help, doesn't it? And videos, too. People looking at videos, viral mm. videos of these things are, uh, that's a problem, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, what are people supposed to, th- you know, think if the media is saturated with all these, you know, fights and car accidents and people dragging people out of cars and shooting them and stuff. Okay, here's what she said. We are seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much, but I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate in that context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. Uh, we have a, an article here in the Post that says, Crime spike myths, COVID didn't cause it, and it's not a hysteria. Uh, the press secretary for Mayor de Blasio tweeted that COVID led to a horrible shooting spike in cities across the country, but NYC has fought back gun violence better than major cities, other major cities. Neither of his statements are true. He says, COVID is a global pandemic, but the rise in violence was uniquely American. New York's uh, violence rise was real, and it was larger here than in most cities. Violence didn't skyrocket until late May and June, post-George Floyd, well after COVID was at its worst. Nor did other countries, including Canada and Mexico, see a COVID-related increase at all. So those who uh, dismiss it over that and uh, overrising, those who dismiss concern over rising violence as hysteria, as you were just saying with AOC, uh, do great disservice to the additional 2.5 people who were shot on average daily in 2020 compared to 2019 levels. Violence begets violence. Ignoring victims and people in at-risk neighborhoods doesn't help. And that's the, the irony of it, is that this isn't a white person thing. This The, the people getting killed, you know, uh, are very often people in poor neighborhoods, and they are often people of color. No, they're all, uh, you know, in fact, I mean, not to stretch your point, but they're all people of color. Mm. Uh, in Los Angeles, the incremental murders... I think 95% of them were black. Mm-hmm, 95%. Something like that. Let me, here, I have the but stats that's fine, right That's here. fine, and 95% is just fine. Right here. One second. Okay. Okay, of California's 513 incremental murder victims in 2020, 485 were non-white. Out of 500? Yeah, 513. More than 95%, it sounds like. I don't know the yeah, percentages that lot. well, but yeah. A so lot. the political right seems to believe uh, arrests and incarcerations are the answer, but New York City saw years of decreasing violence happen in sync with fewer arrests and declining incarceration, and during the 90s, an increase in uh, poverty. So it says the mark and goal effect of policing is to arrest behavior, thus preventing the crime in the first place. I, 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 I do think that, yeah, more arrests would be, it would be uh, the answer, you know? Well, look, I mean, we've also been... Uh, letting people out of jail. Yeah. We've been not jailing people because of bail reform. We've been diverting uh, gun arrests. Yeah, well, yeah, we've been charging we minors rem- as, uh, at, you know, as not as adults anymore. You know, right. it used to be 17-year-olds were tried as adults if they did uh, something like yeah. kill. We've uh, removed, qualif- gotten rid of qualified immunity, so now cops can be personally sued if the person they're arresting doesn't like the way it's done. And it made uh, you know, a law saying that uh, they can be criminally prosecuted if they handle their diaphragm improperly. Uh, that's at least on the table. And I think that might be held up, but they also are not allowed to, you know, kneel in a certain way on them. Yeah. Like, 
There's there's they they've tightened up the restrictions for arrests procedures. Oh sure, and it's clear that the mayor does not have the cops back. Mm-hmm. That the city has made it, the, you know, city elected officials have made it clear that they're, they're not supporting the cops. So, look, if you're a cop, I mean, not like, you know, you're not going to do your job, but look, there's such a thing as work to rule. And this is what um, labor always does. If you're going to abuse labor, they're going to work to rule. Mm-hmm. So, and all this is, a, all this information detailed in the last days of New York, which you can get at Amazon.com. And there's a link at crimereport.nyc to the book, the Last Days of New York by Seth Barron. Really, it's a great supplement to this show. You should be reading it. You should, uh, you know, know what's in there because it's uh, it tells a straight up story. It's very factual. You know, what I mean, this isn't Seth Barron's opinion on what happened. This is, you know, these are facts. He's a journalist uh, par excellence and has been detailing these kinds of things in New York City. You know, both in writing and on this program for years. Uh, so it's uh, definitely a must read. If you enjoy this program, have you noticed less crime coverage in the post these days? It's like really, there's a real dearth of it. I don't see a lot of the crimes that they used to report. You know, hmm. as far as they'll they'll comment, they'll have stories about generally like more shootings, uh, shootings have surged, this has surged, that has surged, but a lot less of the actual individual crime stories are in the uh, the, the the actual uh, physical edition. Uh, maybe they are. Trying not to frighten people. <laughs> yeah, with with the news. With the news. <laughs> with reality. And then you see stories about some, you know, model or something. Uh, with the air, I mean, that's, that, that is a much more pleasant thought, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world in the United States right now, you know. Uh, I know you have family down in, in Miami with the, where the building collapsed. Yes, uh, I do, but they did not live in that building. Oh, that... <laughs> Yeah, good. Tent city money is through the roof. Homeless encampment. Oh, that's okay. Every everywhere, the homeless encampments are getting to be bigger and bigger, and 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 people are sticking up for them. You know, I, when we were in Austin, people were like, "Oh my God, they're trying to get rid of the homeless yeah, encampments." Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're standing up for it. It's like they're not that happy in that homeless encampment, really. Having to leave, it's not like having to leave their fucking, you know, homes or some shit. That already happened. Um. Well, I guess if that's where you are. You don't want to move. Finally, the, the, one more story. The gangbanger accused of opening fire on a Bronx street uh, inches away from two terrified children was inexplicably set free after a knife point robbery. Critics on Saturday demanded answers about why he was sprung in the first place. It's Michael Lopez. He was charged in the Manhattan robbery in January 2020, a crime he allegedly committed while on parole for other offenses. Now, somebody has to answer for this guy, uh, says uh, Joseph Giacalone. Yeah, Uh, it's an adjunct professor at John Jay College uh, that that they're quoting there. 27-year-old Lopez was arrested Friday on attempted murder and other charges in the shocking June 17th sidewalk shooting. I believe this is uh, one where a kid was hurt and uh, or, 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 you know, shot. Uh, There's been so many of these lately. Stray bullets uh, in Times Square, stray bullets in the Bronx. Uh, Is that just a sign of uh, more gunplay? Well, I think it's a sign of uh, poor aim. Uh, in Washington Square, uh, you know, once again, uh, transformed into a scene from Fight Club. It says, with another round of unlicensed boxing matches held in the beleaguered Greenwich Village landmark, post witnessed hundreds of bloodthirsty spectators cheering on five bouts Friday night near the park's triumphal arc. The arch, the triumphal arch, 
It's just like the one in, in France. I don't get this because that seems like it would be the easiest thing for the police just yeah. to, to stop. What the it's, hell? Yeah, right. It's just, I, I agree. It's like, how is this? What the hell are they doing? Suppose this is somebody, long. Suppose somebody... Um, it said one contest lasted six rounds. I mean, these guys are not wearing headgear. <laughs> no. Suppose he falls down and like bat- bashes his head on the um, on the cement and dies. Well, he forfeits. Oh, okay. One park pugilist screamed in agony as another man, apparently one of the organizers, helped him reset what appeared to be a dislocated shoulder. On Saturdays, neighbors uh, they said the constant mayhem is hitting them below the belt. So they're they're you know it says civility is pretty much lost in the city, and people are so indifferent to the impact they have on each other. Uh, you know they're they're running their business uh, their businesses are doing poorly there. That's not a big story either. This is just a, a little inset here. You know, it's it, this is like a big fucking weird thing that, that this is allowed to continue. I mean, like uh, you would think that the mayor would prioritize this and the top down pressure would get the cops on it. Right. But well, you know, this is what happens when things go to go to go to pot. They the, yesterday's dysfunction just becomes today's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the, and the dysfunction moves a little bit further down yeah, the rabbit exactly. hole. Exactly. So, you know. It wasn't that long ago you didn't really see a lot of people like having sex on Lower Broadway or people shooting up outside a subway station or people taking a shit on the street. It was almost unheard of, you know, for someone to be shot in Times Square. Right. Now it's kind of becoming a new norm. People are not just during the day to have some CD vendors start banging away at each other. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's yeah. that's the new norm. Right. Well, hey, it's all the new norm when you're talking about the last days of New York, and that's uh, what we're looking at. Make sure you read the book, Amazon.com, Last Days of New York, Seth Barron. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Chinese Chong.